Welcome to the Water Tower, a few minutes of extra encouragement for your week from the scriptures. I'm your host, Lee Younger from Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And today we'll be in John chapter 11, starting in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. All right, enjoy episode 72, What Caiaphas Got Wrong, by Brad Warren. Let me ask you a question. Why isn't the world a better place? Don't you want to live in the kingdom of God? Wouldn't you like the world to look a bit more like that? Why doesn't God make it happen? Sometimes, does it ever feel to you that God doesn't solve anything? He could, but he doesn't. We see loved ones suffer. We see good people die. We see war and hate. The streets of your town are punctuated with abuse and cruelty that you may never see. He could fix all of it, but he doesn't. Even the things that we want, that we think most line up with what we know of him, even those things don't always happen, despite our fervent prayers. Where is he? What is he doing? I wanna tell you about a man today that we always see as a villain, but he didn't see himself that way. He thought he was on God's side. He just got it wrong, super wrong. And I'm gonna say some bad things about him, really bad things, but somewhere in the mix, what we have here is a man who had certain expectations, who was practical, and who cared deeply about progress in the world and how he could help achieve it. Caiaphas was the high priest who held the trial for Jesus. That's probably where you've heard his name. But he shows up in the Bible earlier than that. And before you think that he was just this evil robot Dracula person, I need to tell you, God gave this guy a prophecy, and it was true. We're going to get into that in a minute. Caiaphas was the high priest during all of Jesus' ministry, and for a little while after. Now, the high priest was supposed to be a descendant of Moses' brother Aaron, and Caiaphas probably was. But interestingly, he was appointed, like all of them were during the Pax Romana, by the Roman governor. He was part of a little club, a social class, the elite of the Jews. They had power inside their little bubble, inside their culture, under Rome, of course. They had money. It wasn't perfect. They could have had more, been more free, had more power, had more money, but the system was working for them. Caiaphas was not interested in anything that rocked the boat. This is a smart guy. 
He had reached the top of his profession. He led the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. He had the ear of the Roman governor. He understood how things got done. He was practical. He benefited from the way things worked. He knew that at any second, Rome could rip it all away and that they just needed a reason. The fight was to keep the people, the culture together, to preserve the worship of the true God. To a large degree, this meant making sure the Romans didn't tear down the temple. To many Jewish leaders, the temple had an almost magical quality. They believed that it was central to their progress, like somehow the temple was the anchor that held everything together while they waited for things to get better, like the Messiah needed the temple or his GPS wouldn't work. They just needed to hold on, preserve and protect, hold on and wait for the better days, maintain the status quo, and if it lined his pockets, all the better. So Caiaphas was around through the whole story. When Jesus was teaching in the temple, Caiaphas knew about it. He might have listened from time to time. When Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers, Caiaphas would probably have been super annoyed, not just by the mess, but maybe because he was getting a cut of the profits. When Jesus was feeding thousands with miraculous bread and fish, Caiaphas was sure to have heard about it. He probably had a file on Jesus. At first it was labeled in green for nice man, then it moved to blue, someone to watch. Then it went to yellow for potentially trouble. And eventually it moved to red. Dangerous, must be stopped. I'd invite you to go read John chapter 18 and Mark 14 to get the end of this story of Caiaphas and Jesus. And you can also read about Caiaphas in Acts because even after Jesus was dead, he didn't stop trying to keep things under control. But today, let's look at Caiaphas in John chapter 11. I think it provides a great contrast between the practicality of Caiaphas, the security and progress he was looking for, and the grace and love God is offering to us. Caiaphas was trying to build for himself, and others I guess, an insulated world, one that could hold out, one that had a chance to get better. Jesus didn't seem to be interested in that at all. So. On to John chapter 11. Jesus had lots of friends, but some of his close friends were Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. And then Lazarus was sick, and then he died. And maybe you know the story. Jesus showed up and shared in the mourner's grief and did some miracling. Lazarus was brought back from the dead after four days. Never happened before, never happened since. And what was the reaction? Let's pick it up in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. See, there it is. The temple as central to a nation. A nation, something to have, something with a footprint, something physical, something to fight for. Anyway, then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. 
So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Was the Sanhedrin excited about what Jesus did? He had shown that he was more powerful than death itself. Wonderful? No, not their reaction. They were mad. They were worried. What were the elite clubs so worried about? Jesus was going to upset Rome. He was going to rock the boat so hard that it would tip over and they would lose everything. They believed that God either couldn't or wouldn't do anything about Rome. That God wasn't strong enough or loving enough to have a solution for them. In fact, if Jesus was from God, then God was trying to get them all killed or something. Have you seen the size of those guys? Do you know how many of them there are? Wouldn't it be better to not make them mad and keep counting our money? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Doesn't God care about the here and now? People will die. Wealth will be plundered. We would be anchorless. We could lose everything. But Caiaphas had a solution. And more than that, he had a prophecy to back it up. A real honest-to-goodness message from God to back it up. The prophecy was this. Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and also for all of God's people scattered around the world to unite them. Can you hear that knowing what you know and see that it's true? Jesus did die for the Jews and for everyone else around the world. And he did unite them in faith and belief and fellowship and purpose and value. Jesus died to save us from ourselves and proves that every person is loved and valued and valuable. So there it is. Caiaphas got a prophecy and it was true. God chose to give Caiaphas, the villain of the story, a prophecy. But what did he do with it? When I hear that prophecy, knowing what I know, I'm looking for Jesus to save me. When Caiaphas received it, he was looking for what to do with Jesus to save himself and the system that was working for him. He didn't see any way that Jesus was helping them make progress to make things better down here. So I think he interpreted that prophecy to mean Jesus is a problem, he needs to die. By getting rid of him, we'll remove a threat that could destroy us and an obstacle to our being united. It was time to make that prophecy come true. So Caiaphas said the thing out loud. It is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Was it murder? Did it violate thou shall not kill? Does it matter? The ends justify the means, right? It's him or me. I have to take care of this. I can solve this problem. I can use Rome's strength to avoid being on the wrong side of Rome's strength. We can make ourselves safe again. We just need this guy to die. And isn't that what the prophecy said anyway? Throughout history, horrible things have been done to build a better world. And God didn't step in to stop them. Caiaphas was not unique. This guy's problem might be something you are suffering from. Do you want or expect to make this fallen, broken world into a good one? I don't believe that God does. Do you want God to be making progress in the world? The Bible says that one day Jesus is going to come back and remake things. It doesn't say he's going to slowly improve them over time. 
Jesus said that the poor will always be with us. That problem is not going away. That is tragic, but he said it. He also said that when we take care of them, we are taking care of him, so do it. He also said that the kingdom of God is here and now in our hearts, personal, internal, not external. I don't think Caiaphas saw that. He was very focused on the big picture, the external. So if Caiaphas got it wrong, what was that prophecy saying? Jesus' death was a prisoner exchange, him for us. It was a substitution. He wasn't the obstacle, he removed the obstacle. It was the obstacle that Caiaphas wasn't looking at. He died for our sins, he paid our debt. Who does that? Someone who loves you. It didn't fix the world. It wasn't big picture progress. It makes changes that are personal. I am loved. I have been forgiven. I did not get richer or more comfortable. In the misery and dark, I have joy and light. In the pain, I have comfort. If my life is comfortable or if the world is on fire, I have what I really need. I have God's grace and mercy. Someone loves me. And when I get cancer and die, he will see me through it and into heaven. And when I don't have enough money or food, he will share my grief. And when I don't get justice and I'm used and discarded, he will be all the mercy and acceptance I need. So Caiaphas, go on trying, my man. Fight for your square inch of real estate. Fight for your culture and dignity and power. And build yourself a palace while you're at it, bro. None of it matters. God doesn't care about that stuff. It falls apart. You see, it's not that God doesn't care about the world. It's just that God doesn't really care about the world. He cares about you. Each and every you, yes, but specifically you. Jesus died for you, not to make the world a better place, for you, to get you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, the individual, you, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I'm gonna keep trying to make a better world but I'm gonna do it by making individual people's lives better. I'm gonna do it because that's what love does. Jesus loved and cared and served and did not force the world to stop having problems. Jesus made a way for people to become friends with God again, to be his children. One day the world will be remade, may it be today. Until then though, that isn't the goal. Today the goal is grace and love. Love your enemies, love the sinners, serve the troublemakers. Expect to suffer and to grieve in the midst of it. Because Jesus didn't come to fix the world's evils, he came to forgive them, to help you through them, and to love you.
Today's score featured Scales of Life by Genexus, used by permission with musicbed.com. Our final song was It Is Well, performed by Eric Peters. Our intro-outro music was by the one and only Jed Brewer of Good Loud Media, and you are hearing this because of our friend Ian Gothard, who's like that feeling you get when you've just mowed the lawn and you turn and survey that smooth, even green of all being well. Thanks for listening, and may the living water fill you up.